In Jeff Brom's offense, there's no telling how high Kevin Coleman Jr.'s ceiling is. We'll talk about that on the next installment of the Top 15 Louisville Football Player Rankings on today's episode of the show. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On the Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I serve as a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. I also do some PA announcing work for the university in various sports. I want to take this time to personally thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. Just a reminder that the Locked On the Louisville Podcast is free, sorry, on all streaming services, five days a week, your team every day. Continuing on along in the Louisville Football Top 15 Player Rankings, this installment will cover numbers 10 through 12. We'll talk about how Kevin Coleman Jr.'s ceiling, there's no telling how high it can be in Jeff Brom's offense. We'll also talk about cornerback Jarvis Brownlee taking that next step. And then to conclude the show, we'll talk about UNC transfer Storm Ducks overall productivity and how it is going to be significant for the Louisville secondary and the Louisville defense as a whole. A reminder in the top 15 player series that the um, the qualifications, so to speak, or the factors that are being combined here are the overall talent, the uh, projected production, and the impact that they are going to have on their position, on the team, so on and so forth. If you listened to last show, thank you for tuning in. Um, but for the newcomers, be sure to check out that 13 through 15, and we will be kind of reversing the order. Instead of counting down, we'll begin at 10 and then go down to 12 uh, for algorithm purposes and for content headers, so on and so forth. So we will begin with number 10. That is Jackson State wide receiver transfer Kevin Coleman Jr., uh, Coleman, this past season for the Tigers in the FCS level, had 33 catches for 510 yards, three touchdowns, averaged 15.5 yards per reception. Now, some people wonder, well, how is a player that comes from the FCS going to, how is the skill set going to translate? to the Power 5 level. Well, I think that this isn't just your regular FCS transfer, right? After all, Kevin Coleman Jr. committed to primetime Deion Sanders, who um, got a ton of highly rated guys to join Jackson State. But Coleman, coming out of the 2021 class, actually 22 class, I should say, was ranked inside of the top 80. And that's something that doesn't just get looked at lightly, um, you know, being a player that's five foot eleven, hundred and eighty pounds, projects as a slot receiver within this Louisville offense, probably going to start right away. I've heard from multiple people, more than three people, that are closely involved with the program, that have um, you know been following the program, been at spring practices, saying, you know, when we talked about players that have jumped off the field in terms of um, you know explosiveness and awareness and overall uh, level play in spring practice. Kevin Coleman Jr.'s name was brought up the most. I was told by one person, literally, look, 
Kevin is going to be a star. It's just a matter of if it's going to be this year or next year. And obviously that could be because you're playing with Jamari Thrash. Um, you have some other guys that are going to get more targets as well. But I think that Kevin Coleman Jr., with the talent that he possesses, could be the most explosive wide receiver on this team. And I don't say that lightly with players like Jamari Thrash, with Amari Huggins-Bruce, Jaden Thompson, and more that are in this group as well. So you look at the overall talent factor, and it's a no-brainer. I mean, Kevin Coleman could be one of the biggest surprises in the ACC because he's a guy that it seems like not many people are talking about. Um, but you look at what he did this past season for Jackson State, and I don't think that he necessarily had a ton of big-time games outside of that final game against um, against North Carolina Central Back on December 7th, he had seven catches for 107, uh, I'm sorry, 137 yards and a touchdown. He did not have over 80 receiving yards in any of the previous games for the Tigers. And you may look at that saying, well, the production level's just not there. I think that you upgrade in terms of you have a better offensive line, um, you have, uh, I, I would say, a better quarterback. I think that Plummer is better. Then Shadur Sanders, but Sanders still is pretty solid. Um, and then you have one of the best offensive coaching staffs in football. You've seen how Jeff Brom has turned underrated guys, guys that weren't rated highly coming out of high school, um, players that transfer from other programs that didn't have a lot of production and have turned them into really solid, productive-level players. And I think that Kevin Coleman Jr., gives the team the home run threat that it has been looking for since Tyler Harrell. You know, having that speed, elusiveness, agility, I think that you're going to see a rise in statistical production this year, and you're going to see him be a player that um, ACC analysts, national analysts are going to talk about more because as much as I believe that Thrash is going to be the guy that leads this wide receiving core, I think that Kevin Coleman Jr. is the most explosive player. Honestly, probably I say this with a grain of salt because Jawar Jordan is right there. I think that Kevin Coleman Jr. is like 1A, 1B in terms of most explosive players on this offense. Um, I had a little bit of concern coming into uh, not fall camp, uh, spring practice, because you wonder you know, whether or not that skill is going to be fully translatable. But you know, considering how you know, talented he was coming out of high school, how highly ranked, he was very highly regarded by national recruiting analysts. And I know that's not the end-all, be-all, but he had a productive first season. And like I mentioned with Des Tell on um, the previous episode, you can't uh, discredit what a full offseason can do. He was an early enrollee, got here in January, and I think that that spring leading up to fall camp is really going to pay off for Kevin Coleman Jr., especially as he continues to get the playbook down pat and builds that on-field camaraderie with Jack Plummer and the other wide receivers. So, um, And then there's the question of, well, how do you put that much stock into spring ball? And I know that you can't, but as much as you can't make full takeaways, you can still have some 
takeaways. I mean, they're just not going to be the end-all, be-all. And I think that when you've had multiple people tell you that this guy's the real deal, I think that there's a common denominator. So the question now is we know why he's on the list. You have the talent. You have the productivity from last year that I think is going to grow this year. And then you have, I think, the impact on the position being that home run threat. Why is he only number 10 if he is perhaps the most explosive player on the offense and could be number two in receiving yards or maybe even number one? You don't know. I think that because of the loaded receiver room, the same rationale as to why Amari Huggins-Bruce is only at 14 is the same reason why Kevin Coleman Jr. is only at number 10 because you not only have to compete with each other, but you have Jamari Thrash, who is also on this list higher up, but you have other players. You have Jaden Thompson from Cincinnati. You have Jimmy Callaway from Tennessee. You have some highly rated wide receivers coming in. Jaleel McClain, William Faust, Kataris Hicks looked great in uh, the offseason. You have Chris Bell, who is talented enough that he's going to see the field in some capacity this fall. It just depends on where he's going to line up. Is he going to wind up as a wide receiver? Or is he going to wind up in tight end in certain situations? So many questions that need to be asked. And like I said, from 10 to 15, it was really kind of back and forth. But the reason why Kevin got number 10 for me is the explosiveness, the productivity last year as a freshman, uh, being a very highly rated freshman just coming out of high school, really, um, you know, only spending one year in college, being um, a very solid player for Jackson State and a player that people have been raving about over the past couple of months, and then to play the devil's advocate, he's uh, kept a little bit further down because of maybe a hindrance on that production and that impact because of the overall balanced approach that this little wide receiver room is taking. So um, I think that Kevin Coleman Jr. is sliding just inside of the top 10, and um, I I mean, I definitely think he belongs um, with that versatility and with that um, exciting ability. Speaking of exciting, there's an opportunity that is exciting that I want to talk to you all about that we've discussed time and time again, and you need to take advantage of it before it goes away. FanDuel is where you need to turn your attention. The official sponsor of Major League Baseball, who just came out of the All-Star break, Shohei Otani, is absolutely on fire, hitting two home runs against my Astros. And guess what? I chose him as the first home run. He did not. It was actually Mike Moustakis, which it seems like year is 2015. But nonetheless, he's a great bet. When Aaron Judge comes back, he's a great bet. When Jordan Alvarez is back, he's right there. Nonetheless, there are a lot of interesting, very specific bets that you can choose with FanDuel. Um, If you just bet up to $20, you'll land $200 back and bonus bets, win or lose. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. Continuing on along, discussing rankings 10 through 12 in Dalton Pence's top 15 global football player rankings, number 11 might be one of the more controversial additions to this list. That is defensive back Jarvis Brownlee. Now, Brownlee, 
is a player that, depending on who you ask, you will get different uh, perspectives on how good he is or how not good he is. I think that this comes from last year. Brownlee was pretty solid, but he got burned on a couple of plays to Johnny Wilson at Florida State, the home run ball to Zay Flowers against Boston College. He got targeted a decent amount. Um when it comes to opposing uh, signal callers, opposing um, offensive coordinators, head coaches, whoever's calling the plays. He got singled out. He got targeted. And I think that that's why this is sort of um, an addition that people will look at and say, well, how is he on the list when he got burned so much? If he's top 15, this team might not necessarily be all that good. And I think that there is room to be had in terms of growth as a defender in passing situations. However, even considering those plays where he got burned, he still turned in a pretty respectable season. I think that he had some solid moments. He ended the year with two interceptions and 12 pass deflections. Now, people went at him because it is a business decision to not go at Keitrell Clark who was a potential all-ACC-level guy. You also had Quincy Riley, who was a ball hawk, transferred in from Middle Tennessee State. So opposing offense coordinators said, let's go at Jarvis Brownlee, and they won sometimes. However, let's not also look away from the fact that Brownlee also won some of those battles against some big-time receivers. Um, I look back at what he was able to do, especially in that game against Central Florida. I mean, he had the pass deflection. He had an interception in the back of the end zone. He had an interception against Virginia, had double-digit tackles against NC State, had eight tackles against Kentucky, eight against Clemson. Um, So it's not like he had a horrible season to where he was unplayable because in all reality, Brownlee, had 66 total tackles. Now, there will be some people that say, is it not better that a cornerback doesn't have that many tackles? Because that would sort of allude to the sense that he's being targeted a lot. Now, he got targeted more than Control Clark. However, he was a key part of the Louisville run defense, and that gets overlooked all the time. When I talk to people about Jarvis Brownlee, it's like, it almost gets lost in translation when you discuss because I think that the it's the notion of you can do like 50 good plays, but you have like five bad plays, and those are what sticks in people's mind. And I get it. That's the human brain. However, I still think that this season, Brownlee is going to be a player that is going to be relied upon a ton defending the run. That automatically gets him into consideration because of that veteran presence uh, the production of last season, and the impact that he is going to have defending the run. I understand you know, a lot of that's on the front seven, but when you can have a guy like Jarvis Brownlee who sort of fills that Quinterio Cole role from the year before of defending the run, that's something that you can't overlook. And there were times that Louisville struggled to defend the run. So I look at Brownlee as um, you know a possible candidate on that list because of this. But I also think that there's growth to be had defending the pass as well. Now, granted, he has to get better. That's where I'm kind of going out on a limb here and suggesting that there's going to be considerable growth. He's also another player that coaches 
players within the program, people around the program have absolutely raved about his performances in the spring, in workouts and practices. Um, he's been probably the defensive guy that is talked about the most uh, ahead of next season. And I think a guy that has played multiple Division One seasons at the Power 5 level, he's played essentially three years. I mean, he played in 2019 but only had one tackle. But he's had three years in college football. There's times where he gambles and he gets burned and, you know, it's not ideal. He's not the greatest defending the pass, but I think that that is um, where you have guys like Storm Duck, uh, guys like Quincy Riley that rise into the mix as well. Those two players are also on this list. I think that defending the run, uh, the possible – projection of being an above average pass defender also lands him on this list I mean he had two interceptions he had 12 pass deflections so it's not like he's this unserviceable cornerback because he's tremendously serviceable he has to be um, a little bit better in terms of not being penalized I think that there were times where he was a little bit too aggressive in his approach and jumped the gun, had some pass interference calls. But honestly, Grant Mulligan said it best last week, um, you know, weekly co-host from the state of Louisville.com, football analyst. He said, I would rather have a defensive back that's more aggressive that you have to tone down than a player that just does not play with that aggression. And I think that that aggression um, is sort of a trickle-down effect. It's radiated throughout the rest of the defense. And that's something that I'm ready to have those defenses that are – you know, aggressive that go after the ball that are swarming around the ball. And it seems like we haven't had that as a collective unit in quite some time, probably over a half decade or so ago. So having a player like Jarvis Brownlee is something that um, I view as an asset. Now, granted, Florida State fans look at Brownlee and say, are you serious? Top 15? Okay, good luck. Thanks for taking him. It is what it is. You're going to have players that disagree, or you're going to have the people that disagree with these rankings. You're going to have people that don't view certain players as high as they do. This next player that we're going to talk about is another player that fans of his previous team aren't necessarily as high on as national analysts are. But um, for me, he rises into number 11 here because of the run defense, because of the potential to become a better pass defender, the production of last season. And I think that he's going to be relied upon to potentially be the number one corner for this Louisville team. Now, I think that um, ultimately he's the second best cornerback on this team, and there will be one that we talk about um, two episodes from now. Actually, no, next episode. No, two episodes from now. No, next episode. I can't count. I'm sitting here looking at my list. Um if you're one of those people that say I'm unprepared when I record shows, please don't grill me for um, looking over the numbers wrong just now. Um, I, I apologize for not, um, you know, having zero slip ups. So I do apologize there. Um, but nonetheless, but no, I'm, I'm just joking. Appreciate you tuning in regardless. Um, but I say Brownlee into the number 11 spot because of the leadership that he brings to the table. But leadership doesn't just get it done. He has the talent, has the production, has uh, the continuity. And like I said, a year in this program with the continuity of the program, I think is going to be something that pays off dividends. And he is a guy that has gotten raved about a lot by his peers, by his coaches, etc. But there's another defensive back, this time a newcomer. Storm Duck is number 12 
in the top 15 global football player rankings. It was so close between 11 and 12. I'm talking essentially a flip of a coin. But Storm Duck's overall productivity and overall solid skill set land him on this top 15. We'll discuss why momentarily. Before we do that, I want to thank you all again for making Locked On the Louisville your first listen of the day. Just a reminder that the show is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team, every day. If you're an everydayer that tunes in for every show, just know that the next show is going to be another continued episode of the series that is the top 15 Louisville football player rankings. That will be 7, 8, and 9, so we will crack into the top 10 a little bit more. But Kevin Coleman Jr., number 10, Jarvis Brownlee, number 11, and Storm Duck, number 12. Um, The veteran defensive back, from North Carolina, had a fantastic season last year, uh, was a second-team All-ACC guy, and for good reason. Statistically, he had his best season. 46 total tackles, he had 10 pass deflections, one forced fumble, and a career-high three interceptions. Spent four years with North Carolina before entering the portal originally committed to Penn State, decommitted, and has now come to Louisville. Um, A guy that has produced at the Power 5 level, extremely good, all ACC selection. It's hard to suggest that Storm Duck is not one of the top 15 players on this Louisville team. Obviously, from a talent perspective, he's overall very solid. Solid pass defender, solid defending the run as well, and he is a ball hawk, five interceptions in his time at North Carolina. What's interesting to me is that North Carolina fans sort of are pretty divided when it comes to Storm Duck. Some say that he's better than the accolade, or he's he's as good as the accolade suggests. Some say he's a little bit overrated. One thing that it seems unanimous is that most North Carolina fans felt that 2019 was his best season. In 2019, as a freshman, he had 37 total tackles, five pass deflections, and two interceptions, one touchdown to go along with that. And simply before the 2020 year, he was graded as one of the best um, uh, defensive backs in the ACC. But he dealt with some injuries in 2020. Uh, he only played one game. It was a shortened year, but he only played one game, had four uh, tackles and two pass deflections. 2021 didn't necessarily have that great of a year. But 2022 rolls around, and he picks it up where he kind of left off in 2019, had a reduction. Uh, re- a redemption season, six foot one, two hundred and pound, native of Boiling Springs, North Carolina. A guy that um, I think is going to be um, a player that is relied upon a ton. Top ten in the conference in pass deflections. Um, had, like I said, multiple statistical numbers that jump off of the page. Had over a hundred tackles for North Carolina in essentially three seasons. That's pretty solid numbers. Kind of Jarvis Brownlee-esque, a player that's going to be relied upon to defend the run as well. It seemed like for Storm Duck, um, you know, you wondered whether or not he was going to try the NFL draft waters, which it seemed like it was very possible, but he ultimately ends up coming back to school. He joins a defensive back room that 
Um, it, it's sort of interesting. I think Brownlee and Duck are both just outside of the top 15 because there's multiple guys at this position that are going to play a lot. Quincy Riley, uh, Marquise Groves Killebrew, Marcus Washington Jr., potentially Trey Franklin, maybe Derek Edwards III. You have some players that are going to see some time. Granted, you're in a new system now. You emphasize the versatility in the secondary, and I think that that's where more defensive backs are going to play than we are used to seeing. But Storm Duck, the overall productivity. I th- I don't think that he is good of a run defender as um, Jarvis Brownlee, and I don't think he is good at defending the pass as Quincy Riley. However, I think that he is the best overall cornerback on this team, that veteran presence, the veteran leadership, you have the proven production from the past couple seasons. He's earned all ACC honors. You have the talent, obviously, defending the pass. He's a solid size cornerback, being six foot one. And then, not to mention the implication of what he's going to do this season. I think that that veteran presence is going to be relied upon because you have some talented guys in this room, like MGK like Marcus Washington Jr., but both didn't necessarily play a lot as true freshmen last year, so that veteran leadership is going to be relied upon. But overall, Kevin Coleman Jr.'s untapped potential in Jeff Brom's offense, Jarvis Brownlee is going to be taking that next step for Mark Hagan and Ron English's defense, and Storm Duck's overall productivity being the best overall cornerback on this team. They round out the top 10, 12 through 10, Tomorrow's episode will be 9 through 7, so be sure to stay tuned. But that's going to wrap up today's episode of the show. Everyone have a great day. Be sure to stay tuned and tune in to all of the Locked On Global work on all of the streaming services that can be found right here.